a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. The JMAC News Show. Fearless. Honesty. We're on the same team. Honesty will undergird our foreign policy. Jay McFarland. Fearless. Fearless. About the stories that really matter on KSL News Radio. Hey, this is Kirk Jowers filling in for JMAC on day two. As I mentioned, today I really wanted to highlight some amazing Utahns who many of you have heard of, but if you're not in their sphere, you may not have. Um, and if you want to chime in on any of today's topics, please text the Utah Community Credit Union text line 57500 or leave a voicemail at 801-575-7668. I am grateful to have Rachel Parcell in the studio today. Hello. Rachel. Hey, Rachel. <laughs> Rachel is the founder of Pink Peonies, the number one social influencer in Utah, recently partnered with Nordstrom and lauded by a 2017 Forbes magazine article with a great title, How the 26-Year-Old Founder of Pink Peonies Turned Her Blog into a Million Dollar Business. So, Rachel, thank you so much for, for being here today. Thank you for having me. Uh, my wife and daughter own several of your dresses. Every woman I know follows your blog and Instagram. So I know there's a, a segment of this uh, KSL audience that is really excited to have you. And we've seen it in some of the comments coming in. Oh, good. Good. I'm <laughs> glad. <laughs> so uh, you've become a fashion icon, a businesswoman, an influencer with well over a million followers. But I'm more interested, actually, in the journey so many people would like to do this or doing it purposefully or at least enjoying being uh, a blogger, influencer. When you started, I understand you started Pink Peonies in 2010. Mm -hmm. Was that the goal? I am going to become this mega influencer blogger? No, not at all. <laughs> and I mean, it's been an incredible journey. And when I started 10 years ago, I didn't really even know that – well, in, the term influencer wasn't even a thing. Like, no right. one had heard of that term yet. And, um, I mean, blogging – for me, I had heard of a blog, but it was more of like a journal blog. I was thinking, oh, it's more of like an online scrapbook. So when I got married, I thought, well, this is a great, easy way to kind of journal or document my first year of marriage. I had no idea that you could – monetize a blog that you could turn it into any type of business so I was really just you know we'd go on a trip I'd take pictures I'd share those or all of our wedding photos I blogged about and I had a link to it on my Facebook page so this is before I didn't even have an Instagram at this point I don't know if it was around yet but I hadn't heard of Instagram yet so this was forever ago and our wedding was actually featured on the cover of Utah Valley Brides magazine. So I had a lot of young girls in Utah County 
look me up on Facebook after they saw the feature of our wedding and they found my blog link in my Facebook profile. So they clicked on it and they would see, you know, a picture of Drew and I on a date night and they could care less what we were doing. They wanted to know where I got my lipstick shade or where I got my top. So I started just like going to Nordstrom or to any retailer that I bought something at and I would share the link. And then Pinterest was taking off it this time. So those pictures, like they would pin the picture of my husband and I on a date. They would pin it to their date night outfits board. And maybe their cousin in California saw it. And then their friend in Texas saw it and repinned it. So it like started this ripple effect. And that's how I got so many eyes on my website. Um, and then that's kind of how, you know, I started realizing like, oh, wow, there, there are women looking to me for advice. And then companies started com- reaching out to me. Hey, we would love for you to wear a top or a dress and advertise our products on your website. So then I was like, okay, maybe I could monetize this in some way. I became acutely aware of this whole Pinterest wedding phenomenon last year because I had two of my kids get married and, and to see what uh, my now daughter-in-law and daughter had built uh, it was amazing in, in trying to create their perfect wedding and everything that goes to it. Um, and and you bring up a good point. In 2010, at that point, I was more into into politics, but politicians didn't really know how to use influencers very well. I know companies didn't know how to do it very well. Now the ROI, uh, the return on investment is, is so good with social media influencers that it has transformed advertising and everything else. Do you, uh, do you remember the first time you got a company that said, hey, we'll pay you to do, to, to do what you're already doing for free? Yeah. So I was doing my thing. I was blogging at that point. I decided I'm going to take more dedicated outfit photos because these women want to know where I'm buying my pieces. So I would have someone take like a head to toe outfit picture of me and then I would share all of the links to like Nordstrom, J. Crew, all my favorite stores. And And at first you're just doing that for Oh yeah, free just cold links right direct to these retailers. I had no idea I could be making any money. It was nice to all the, the women who were following you and it probably saved you a lot of time from having to like text them back or message them back yeah, and say, exactly. that's from Nordstrom, that's from... Yeah, yeah, that's why I did it because I was getting so many comments. I didn't want to go through and like respond individually. I thought it'd be easier to just label it all. Right. And I always have been the person in middle school. I went up to a girl once and I was like, I love your top. Where'd you get it? And she was older than me. Uh. And she was like, I don't remember. And I'm like, whatever. Yes, you do. <laughs> so I never wanted to be the person that didn't ever share where I got the things that I purchased. So... It kind of stemmed from like genuinely wanting to share with these women. So I started to do that. So essentially I trained the women who are reading my blog to click on my links and shop. I think before they would go to these retailers, they would go to my site first. And I was kind of like a shopping destination before they actually went to the retailer to shop because they were getting inspiration from me. Yeah. Um, So I I got an email from a company called Linkshare and it had... It sounded familiar, but I'd really never heard of it. And it, in the email, it said, hey, we've noticed that you're driving sales and traffic to these different retailers, and you can actually sign up to be an affiliate for them and earn a small commission on a sale. If you're wearing a top, they click on it and buy it, you'll get a commission. Uh. So I, I showed it to my husband, and he's like, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I've heard of Linkshare. You should for sure sign up for them. Uh. So then I had another affiliate 
network called Reward Style. It was a startup in Dallas, Texas. They reached out. And that's really kind of how I got my foot in the industry. You know, I was isolated in Utah. Most of these women that were doing these fashion blogs were all on the coast. They were in New York and L.A. And I signed up for this affiliate program, and they share their top five performing bloggers every every month. And I randomly got on that list. I was driving sales. So that's kind of what put me on the map. And what year was that? This was in... It was either 2011 or 2012. So it was like oh, okay. a year or two after. It came pretty fast. Yeah. We need to take a quick break, but we will be back with Rachel Parcell. I'm Kirk Jowers. J Mac. Hey, I'm Kirk Jowers, and I am back with Rachel Parcell. Sometimes our best interviews happen in between. Being live on air, and so I wanted to follow up on one thing. Uh, you, you talked about how you started this, not knowing anything about this influencer industry, because at that point there really wasn't one, um, and it and it happened quite quickly, though. Uh, so it's different than the question I would be asking, whatever Taylor Swift, if she was in <laughs> studio with me, of uh, because she wanted to be a mega superstar singer, um, because there was obviously a path to do that. Um, and you mentioned something interesting about at the moment, I'm sure it's continues to evolve at the moment. A lot of the biggest bloggers are, are very genuine. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, you know, when, when I started and when that whole wave of women who started blogs started 10 years ago, we were doing it out of, you know, a genuine passion for what we were doing. We had a passion for connecting with other women for sharing products and brands we loved. And then it organically evolved into a business, but we built it on what we were already passionately doing. Um, And so I think, you know, through the years, I think that's why some of those bloggers who started in the early days have seen success and growth and they have such a strong connection with their audience is because it it did come from such an organic place and a genuine place and it we we didn't do it to like make millions of dollars or have these massive brands or businesses we just truly wanted to connect with other women right so you started it authentically and and that obviously is why it's been so important for companies because there was this authenticity aspect to it as so many people now see the success that you and others are having with it It'll be interesting to watch how the industry evolves because it's, as long as companies feel like they're getting an authentic spokesperson, it's very effective. If that changes, I'm sure companies are going to have to figure out the next step. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard as an influencer, you know, you kind of have to navigate that landscape because so many companies understand the power of influencers and bloggers and that connection. And, you know, I think those readers see we're real women. We are consumers and we are talking to a consumer. We're not like fancy fashion models just modeling something on glossy magazine pages. We're real women. So they can really connect with us. And I think we we can share products that they're more interested in because we are the consumer as well. So we know what these women want to see. Um, and so when we advertise or we share something like we generate sales. And I think that's why you know, so many of these companies hopped on 
this bandwagon of, you know, setting aside advertising dollars for these influencers. And so it's kind of hard to navigate. You have so many brands coming towards you, you know, with a new campaign, this much money, this much money. But, you know, you really have to keep that genuine authentic voice with these women who have chosen to follow you. And I'm not sure if I should ask this, but I will anyway. But I, I've heard that uh, that a, a company, a big global company, offered you a lot of money, six, seven figures to, to do it, and you turned them down. That must have been – that must have been tough, if not yeah. for you, for – you know, for, for your husband, Drew, saying, what are you doing? <laughs> Drew is upset. I turned it down. Um, it just, you know, it didn't align with what I was sharing. And it wasn't a brand that I had used before or that I, you know, felt would connect with my readers. And I think, you know, I told my husband, I said, if in the end that will hurt me in the long run, you know, it's great to get that, you know, that flat fee check for this, but it's, it's not authentic or genuine to me and, or what I'm sharing. And that could jeopardize that trust between me and the, these incredible women that choose to follow me. So I I turned it down. And I think that's the hard thing perhaps for some of these, these new influencer wannabes is, I mean, one, you certainly have the perspective, you know, what made you. And so it's kind of become part of you. Some could say you also have a little bit of the luxury of um, you're doing well enough that it's not like you can't <laughs> feed your your two cute little kids um, if you don't take it. Um, but but if, if they're just scrambling and trying to get oxygen from everyone else doing it, it's probably even tougher for them to remain authentic. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really grateful that I am at a place in my career that I can be very selective with the brands that I choose to work with. You can take a long-term view, but it's tougher for those just scrambling yeah. to take anything I would but a say if view. there's anyone listening who like wants to be an influencer or, you know, trying to be an are smaller, I would say be be selective. Like think of the big picture, not just the one-off campaigns. Yeah. Because if you keep that authentic connection with these women, and you really only share things that, you know, maybe it's a new product you've never tried, but you you tested it out and then you were like, this is amazing. I've discovered something new. I can't wait to share it with them. Take it. Yeah. But in the end, it could hurt you in the long run if you're just doing like all these paid campaigns. Right. I think maybe your career would be short, shorter lived. So I could talk to you forever about the industry, but I, I want to get back to you. Um it all seems very glamorous, of course. You take these great photos, and uh, it's exciting. You write some great things about that. But it's I'm, I'm more from the political world, and they face – some of the bigger ones face some of the same issues you do, is that it is 24-7 scrutiny. Um, how do you deal with, with that? How does your family deal with that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely tough. Um It's, I have a very engaged reader. They, you know, they watch my Insta stories. They, they watch all my Instagram posts. They go to my website for my blog and then they go to Nordstrom and they, you know, purchase clothes or they look at what I'm doing. They're looking at every aspect of my life. And most of these women, you know, they comment, they purchase, they, 
you know, we'll chat directly on DMs. I'll follow them. Like, we we've, we've truly have built this relationship. But for every hundred who love everything you do and buy everything you wear, there's, there's that one or two. No matter what, there's always – I call it the mouse flipping off the eagle. There's always someone who's going to say something. <laughs> yeah bitingly mean mm-hmm. and i'm sure that happens to you have you developed a thicker skin on that yeah i mean so what i've noticed is it gets more polarizing the more engaged these women are the more that they love me it's a double-edged sword yeah. on the flip side the more there's other people that dislike me and don't like what i'm posting or this or that it's just and that's the same in everything you yeah know, bradley cooper he does uh a star is born, and at first everyone's like, "Wow, he can sing! Like he's a great actor. He's good looking. He can sing." And then everyone got really into him. But then you got all these haters saying, "He's, you know, he's he's a terrible singer compared to whoever, whomever." And but you're right. The more the more someone loves something, the more the haters come mm-hmm. out stronger. Um, yeah, uh, you definitely have to have a thick skin to be in this industry. Social media can be a, a, an amazing thing, but it's People can hide behind a screen as well. Well, I'm unfortunately running out of time, but I'm always interested in these jobs that are not kind of your your typical job. I was with Jason Chaffetz was on our show yesterday, and he's written two books. So I wanted to find out about his discipline in doing that. Um, how how disciplined are you? Like when I ask you to come to the KSL studios, does that blow up your whole week of planning, or how do you how do you flow with um, Staying disciplined and doing a great job with your your career, but then also keeping up with your kids and all the other things that are going on. Yeah. So I'm definitely blessed that in one area of my – so I have two businesses. I have the blogging business and then I have my brand, um, which is women's clothing. And the blogging part is sharing essentially a piece of my life. So I can really run that business through like all I need is a computer and a phone and I can do it anywhere. So for me, I've tried to just really set a schedule. Mondays, I go into the office all day. Tuesdays, I'm home with my kids, like in my pajamas with peanut butter all over, like being a mom. And then Wednesdays, it's like our photo shoot days, whether, you know, we're doing an editorial shoot for an upcoming collection that's launching at Nordstrom, or maybe we have a brand partnership, or maybe we're just, you know, doing a summer salad that's, we're going to share that recipe on my blog just as like an organic post. Um, and then Thursdays and Fridays are like conference calls from home, like during nap time and then calling my assistant in the car, driving carpool, like talking about the whole schedule of it all. And then, you know, sometimes you'll get a campaign like, Hey, can you go to New York tomorrow? Like, how do we, and then that throws a whole wrench in it. You have to rearrange (laughs) the schedule. It's definitely fast moving. You know, sometimes the campaign will come through last minute. So it's just juggling and balancing. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for being with us. This is Rachel Parcell, Pink Peonies. Uh, Her dress line is in Nordstrom's. I'm Kirk Jowers. We will be back with Senator Mike Lee. J-Mac. What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com.